What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. This is the crossover podcast. We dip into enemy territory and preview the game coming up for the Niners. In this case, we are in Denver for Sunday Night Football and Russell Wilson and the Broncos and all of that. So I'm very pleased and privileged to be able to bring to you from KOA, the Broncos flagship in Denver, Broncos insider Brandon Cristal. Brandon, what's up? What's up, Stats? Good to talk to you. It's been a minute, I think, since our paths crossed. So good to uh, chat a little Niners Broncos. Yes, I'm looking forward to it because I finally think that maybe this year is the year that we have a chance to beat Russell Wilson, who is 17 and four against the 49ers in his career. Yeah, it's funny. I'm glad you did that uh, research. <laughs> and actually, I have the Broncos like, you know, weekly game release where every team, you know, sends out a information packet the last time they played this time that and I'm sure somewhere in it. It says what Russ's record is. I hadn't gotten there because I haven't really dove into the notes just yet. Russ talked about it as Wednesday press conference and and said he's had a lot of success against some really good defenses. Uh, but it's obviously been a, a bit of a weird start. And I think everybody in Denver, certainly people in that building, were hoping that they would get to get to see Trey Lance and the Niners and are not I don't say more nervous, but the the level of anxiety changed a little because of Jimmy Garoppolo's success and comfort level as an NFL quarterback where we know Trey Lance just isn't there yet based on, you know, lack of playing time. Why do you want to hurt me, Brandon? Like you really had to bring that up right away. Hey, look, no one hurts probably more than Trey Lance. Although hopefully the surgery went well, right in the history of surgeries. I'm sure it went well. They all go well until they don't. Right. They're all successful. Uh, uh, Do we know, have we heard that Trey Lance's surgery go well uh, yet? Has it even taken place? It has taken place. It took place on Monday. It was successful. They didn't chop his foot off. So that's okay. And, and, and they fixed the right leg. I mean, you're right with a a break like that or or an injury like that. You, you knew they weren't going to mess that up in the operating room, you know, operate on the wrong ACL. They, they knew which one they were going in to fix. Yeah. Just go to the one that's facing the wrong direction. That's generally a good, uh, a good sign. Um, if we can go back to the rust thing, two games into his Broncos career, he's getting booed at home. Like what is going on? So the boos at home, I feel are less for Russ than the boos in Seattle were the boos in Seattle were for Russ. There's no doubt when he came home, you thought, Oh, heroes welcome. They're going to, build on the good things and, and get into the end zone easily and, and all of that. And Russ is going to cook all day against a bad Texans team that I think might actually be worse than the Seahawks, at least maybe a worse roster. And it just never really came to fruition. But then you fast forward to Russ and the way he handles things. He, you know, the eternal optimist Wednesdays and his pressers talking about, well, we were just this close on here and just this close on this pass to Sobert and this one to Sutton. And he's right. They were. Cl- it wasn't like he was launching it into the into the stands. And a run play <laughs> with a Melvin Gordon fumble doesn't happen. Javante Williams having a lineman run into. It. So their red zone woes are well chronicled here through these first two games. And I think that the frustration is that the Broncos fans who've had six years of really mediocre quarterback play, to put it kindly, thought we finally have a guy who seventeen and four against the Seahawks has a winning record likely against every team, certainly in the division that, that he saw there in the NFC West. And he's going to come in and we're going to see the good Russ, healthy Russ. He's going to move around. He's going to let it fly. We'll see the sky ball and all of that. And he threw for 340 yards and a touchdown in the opener. But you wanted to see more of that. And the offense just couldn't get clicking. Now you can chalk it up to a few drops and this and that. But because they had so many penalties in, in week one that were then followed up by penalties throughout week two, 
as the game was going along early in the first half and he's not getting in rhythm, not getting anything going fans. I think it was just a frustration. So I still don't know if the booze were, Hey, Russ, you stink the way maybe Seahawks fans were booing Russ for leaving them and not wanting to be there, but it was, Hey, Broncos offense and Nathaniel Hackett and Russ nine time pro bowler. Why isn't this better? You guys skipped the preseason told us it'd be fine. And it looks pretty rough out of the gate against two bad teams. And it's going to be tough this week because I'm just telling you, this 49ers defense is really freaking good. Like I'm saying, it might even be better than the 2019 Super Bowl defense. I think that they are going to get after it. They know that the team has to lean on them. I think they might even have a better secondary this year than 2019. Talanoa Hufongo looks like a freaking steal in the fifth round. It's not going to get easy for Russ this week. Yeah, and I think that he's well aware of that, as is Nathaniel Hackett and the, and the entire Broncos offensive attack. I do think they lean on DJ Jones and Kwan Williams to try to to pick pick the brain of of two vets that were there, obviously a lot of years with Robert Sala and now with Demigo Ryan's calling the defense, but understanding philosophically the way the way they want to approach them. Now Nathaniel Hackett's operated against those defenses before and and seen there's plenty of tape because so many of those guys have been around now. You know what a healthy Nick Bose is. He's certainly healthy. Fred Warner's a tackling machine. Jimmy Ward seems like he's been there forever. If Armstead can play, uh, you know, and I don't know why he wouldn't, although I saw he was out of Wednesday's practice. You know what he is, uh, just a stud there. And and they've got players at all three levels. And to your point about the secondary, it's not going to be easy. And if Jerry Judy can't go, that makes it even harder. It takes away one of your weapons. If KJ Hamler doesn't go, that's one of the weapons you're certainly counting on throughout the year. So they, they know they're going to have their work cut out for them. They're going to try to run the ball as best they can, but you're talking about the second best run defense through two, two games. Part of that might be that Seattle sucks. Right. <laughs> and, and it's hard to look at the numbers from that week one game, even though it was a loss for the Niners and really dissect what went right, what went wrong because of the playing conditions there in Chicago. Nonetheless, yeah, this is a really good Niners defense, and it might be the best defense in football, certainly top five, top ten, no, no question about that. Now the Broncos think they have one of those as well, but Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are going to be tested in the run game, and Russell will be tested, you know, regardless of the, of the play that's called and the play that, that he ends up running throughout the whole, whole game. It's going, to be a tough, it's going to be a tough night Sunday night. Hold up. Let's not just gloss over that and act like you didn't just say what you just said. The, tell me – the difference between the play that's called and the play that Russ ends up running. Well, I, I think honestly, and probably have to break it down play by play. You go back to the Javante Williams fumble on Monday night, Russ checked to that run. He checked out of a pass to the run. Now they're in shotgun and that maybe limits some of your attack in, in terms of what you're going to be able to do to a defense in general, because it's been really late from Nathaniel Hackett getting into Russ. And that's talking to the people that I trust. That's just what it is. And I think Nathaniel Hackett's problem is that he's kind of, processing too much stuff at once he's got too many things coming in versus how he's handling the game plan so i'm saying all that to say i don't know how often he's able to get the play into russ quickly enough for russ to be able to change it to this point there's plenty of people that are speculating and this is uh, obviously early but the reason that 11 of the 15 goal to go situation plays have been passes is because they're trying to boost russ's numbers but to think that they're that Nathaniel Hackett is actively throwing fade routes to help Russ's stats early in the year. So he gets MVP votes. It feels like a big leap. He just wants to score points and, and win games. And by having Russ as your quarterback, he's going to throw plenty of touchdown passes. You have to hope throughout an entire season. 
You mentioned a couple guys that are injured. It seems like from a Niners perspective, this is a good time to play Denver, not only because, you know, like you mentioned, everybody's sort of adjusting Russ, Nathaniel Hackett, new coaches, new players, all that stuff. But also there's some significant guys for the Broncos that are banged up. Yeah. Eight or nine starter contributors. If you go ahead and count Tim Patrick, who's done for the year, you haven't had KJ Hamler for one year, two games. He had the ACL, the hip surgery week three last year against the Jets. And so it's all, he's just got stuff going on in his legs. Don't know whether he goes. So that's another contribute, you know, to call him your slot receiver, your starter. Okay, so that's two. They haven't had Josie Jewell. They're starting inside linebacker through the first two games. He's your best communicator up front. The guy behind him is maybe the best communicator and best player on the defense, probably consistently, no question. Justin Simmons, safety, two-time All-Pro, was a Pro Bowler a couple of years ago. He's out with a with a quad injury so this is game two of at least four while he's on ir they like the kid behind him caden stearns but that takes your best your best safety your leader on the back end pat sertan's maybe your best player now you jump to pat sertan he aggravates his shoulder he could be the best corner in football he's on a very short list even in year two he's day-to-day but he didn't practice wednesday so right there you're talking about your middle linebacker who did practice dealing with calf issues, but you're getting him back. Maybe no Simmons, no Sertan. You jump to the other side of the ball. Judy goes out in the first quarter, falls on the football, has ribs and chest aggravation, no surgery needed. No, no IR stint, but you're losing your, maybe your most dynamic downfield playmaker consistently with apologies to KJ Hamler's speed. So you take him off. Dulcich, a tight end they drafted out of the third round, was running with the first team right from the get-go when they drafted him from UCLA. He hasn't been ready to go really all year. He got hurt in May and was out in training camp for like two or three days. So I, I think I've covered most of them, but it's a lot of guys who you're counting on or just our bona fide starters down and down out playmakers that you just don't have. So you're, you are getting them at the right time. And then they have some other guys are just kind of banged up or Randy Gregory coming back from shoulder surgeries played kind of 50 ish percent of the snaps, Billy Turner, who I forgot, Billy Turner, who is Nathaniel Hackett's daughter's favorite player and really good friends was in Denver three years with Hackett in green Bay plays up and down the line. They want him to start at right tackle. They like him more than Cam Fleming. He hasn't played yet. Chance he plays this week. He practiced Wednesday. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, it is a good time to get the Broncos from a health standpoint when you have anywhere from, you know, six to nine starter key contributors that may not go. Damn, I thought the Niners were banged up. That is a list right there. Um, if there is a worry for me from the 49ers perspective, especially offensively, it is the interior of the offensive line. It's it's weak for the 49ers. It's inexperienced. You've got a Spencer Burford on the right side. It's a fourth-round rookie. Aaron Banks was a second-round pick last year, but barely played his rookie year. And then Jake Brendel, the center, was in the league for years and has like three career starts. I think two of them came this year. So it's a problem, and I know firsthand DJ Jones is a monster up front for Denver. If there's any weakness that I'm worried about, it's that the Broncos are going to be able to get interior pressure relatively quickly and you, do, you talked about the Lance Garoppolo thing. That That's a problem for Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, because we know he's just nowhere near as mobile as Trey Lance. And it's funny, there's a comfort level with Jimmy G and being able to execute an NFL offense, specifically playing with Kyle, who's, if not the best play caller, right at the very top of the list and play designers at the very top of the list. And you can tell by how many receivers have just been open forever. 
in his offenses, even when there haven't been really good receivers. I'll tell you a funny story here in just a second. But looking at at what they're trying to do, we saw how much they ran the ball with Trey Lance and then especially with with Trey gone. Right. Look at what Jeff Wilson Jr. and, and his workload. But they they targeted D.J. Jones as they had Shelby Harris in the trade for Russ. They knew they needed to fill that body with someone similar. But D.J. Jones, as Niners fans know, has been the best run stuffer interior defensive lineman against the run the last couple of years. Last year, PFF, I know, had him rated number one. So they give him the $30 million contract. And he made two huge plays in the backfield last week against the Texans and, and their rookie running back, Damian Pierce. But who you need to worry about when Jimmy G drops back is less DJ Jones and more of the other Jones. Draymond Jones, year four out of Ohio State, had two sacks the other day, is one of those defensive linemen, three-tech types that can really wreak havoc as a pass rusher, cut out of the same mold as, you know, to say J.J. Watt isn't necessarily fair, but a guy that's going to line up in, in those kind of spots and go and go as an interior lineman, create pressure, and get to the quarterback. So, DJ Jones is certainly going to be a key to slowing down the run game, but Draymond Jones in the passing game in a contract year coming into his own. I think he had five sacks last year. Maybe he's already off to a great start with two and had a couple pressures. He lines up with guys like Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory, depending on the side he's on. So you already have a, an elite rusher next to him and it allows him to, to really, really be disruptive in the passing game. So I, I understand the, the concern when you've got inexperienced and or young guys, you know, or, guys that are both in this case up front and and that's hopefully good for the broncos especially if they can get josie jewel back alex singleton who led the eagles and tackles the last two years i had a buddy who's a huge eagles fan text me during the during the opener and he goes oh wait singleton's in a middle linebacker i definitely would have bet the seahawks he's terrible i go well he led the team in tackles the last two years he goes yeah because everybody ran at him <laughs> they wanted to attack him so singleton will be off the field and then jonas griffith who niners fans may remember from his special teams work and just, you know, off season practice squad presence. They traded for him to help on special teams last year, right? Right at the start of the regular season. And by the end of the year, he had just kind of, because of injury, found his way on the field. They liked him so much. They didn't draft another linebacker. They re-signed Josie Jewell. And that's the pair they want is Jewell and Griffin. They saw Griffin make a couple of plays the other day in, in, in really in the first two games for a guy that injured himself. He hyperextended his elbow week one of the preseason against Cowboys gets back on the early side of a four to six week injury. And so they like him. So with Jewel and Griffith, maybe they are able to attack the middle and obviously Niners fans don't want to hear that, but uh, where I say that or operate in the middle and, and make plays against those inexperienced guys up front. So what do you see happening? Give me your prediction for the game. Well, I feel like it'll be because we expect it to be low scoring. Watch it be 31 to 30, right? <laughs> I guess I saw today where 60 something percent of the games have, have gone under like 69 percent. Wow. The, okay. Maybe it was 22 of 32 games have gone under. That's crazy. Right? There's, been, there's been 32 games through two weeks and 22 of 32 have gone under. And maybe that's partly because defenses are ahead of offenses. And, and one thing that, that Kyle talked about when I asked him how flattering is it that so many teams are running your version, their version of your version of your dad's offense or, your dad and Gary Kubiak's version of, of Bill Walsh's offense. Right. And he said, I don't like it. <laughs> and I don't think it was from a flattery standpoint. And, and Mike might be better to ask. And if we run into Mike Sunday at the game or around town, because I know he's kind of bouncing back and forth between Denver, San Fran and Cabo. Mike probably takes more pride in all of these disciples of his running his version of the offense. But Kyle's point was, I don't like it because it, it allows defenses to see 
similar offenses every week. And the Broncos yep. certainly are running their version, even though Nathaniel Hackett didn't work for Mike or Kyle and he and Kyle missed each other with the bucks. He worked with John Gruden. And so the, the Broncos and the Niners running this version of the offense when we think the defense knows what they're doing, watch, watch everything click for, for both offenses and we get a high scoring game. So you asked me what I think is going to happen. I would think that it's a 20 to 17 kind of game, but I just, let's revisit it. And if, you know, we don't do it on the podcast, at least on Twitter, the idea that, okay, watch it go over 60 points. Cause everyone thinks it's going to go under, especially if a bunch of games this weekend go under leading up to it based on the trends we've seen so far. And Shanahan, uh, Mike will be up there in his suite. Apparently, he's got like 19 people coming to watch the game. Brandon Cristal from KOA, Broncos Insider. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Brandon. Really do appreciate some of his time. That's going to do it for this crossover edition of the Niners Nation podcast. Again, everybody, please rate, review, and follow. We are so, so grateful for all the support. You made us the fastest-growing 49ers podcast on the planet. Please keep that up. Don't forget to join us live after the game tomorrow on the Niners Nation Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. We will be answering your questions, taking your comments, hopefully celebrating taking down our arch nemesis, Russell Wilson, and with any luck, making a statement to the rest of the world that the bully is back. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk tomorrow. Yeah.